1160 The Quest welcomes you to Legislation Made Simple. Keeping you informed on political issues, primarily legislative issues in the Georgia General Assembly, but also some national issues that implicate the teachings of the church. Issues that are critical to restoring and protecting a culture that enables families to flourish and the kingdom of God to advance. Legislation Made Simple will also let you know how to get involved, how to get to know your state representatives and senators, and most importantly, how you can affect policy. Your hosts are Patty DeCraney and Jane Robbins. Jane is a retired lawyer, formerly with a D.C.-based organization called American Principles Project. Jane worked at the Georgia legislature and has maintained her connections there, so she's plugged in under the Gold Dome. Now let's begin Legislation Made Simple. Hello, and welcome to Legislation Made Simple. My name is Patty DeCraney, and my co-host is Jane Robbins. Hi, Jane. Hey, Patty. Today, we're going to follow up on last week's show about legalized gambling. As a matter of fact, our guest from last week, Mike Griffin, referenced the economist, Professor John Kent, on the show. We are so pleased and honored to have him with us today. Good afternoon, Professor Kent. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for all the good work you do in informing and educating the public. Thank you for joining us and enlightening us further about legalizing gambling. Let's begin with invoking the Holy Spirit and reading Holy Scripture. Together, let's pray. Come, Come Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. And today's scripture, Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. The covetous man is never satisfied with money, and the lover of wealth reaps no fruit from it. So this, too, is vanity. Where there are great riches, there are also many to devour them. To reiterate the church's position on gambling, the catechism tells us that there's nothing inherently sinful about games of chance, but when they become addictive or they start to interfere with your relationship to other people, your responsibilities, or your, your relationship to God, that's when they become a problem. Do we get rich from gambling? Does the city prosper from legalizing gambling? Jane, would you introduce our wonderful guest to help answer these and other questions that we have? Sure. We are honored to have with us today Professor John Kent, an economist and retired professor at the University of Illinois, who is a true expert on legalized gambling. Professor Kent has testified before the Georgia legislature and before Congress many times on this issue. Now, before I let him um, talk about all of this, I would just note that yesterday as we are recording this, um, there was a bill introduced in the Georgia legislature in the Senate from Senator Billy Hickman, a Republican from Statesboro, to legalize sports betting and horse racing. And it would do it via statute rather than constitutional amendment, which would make it a lot easier to pass. So I, I throw that out there because Professor Kent may have some comments on it at some point. But to start off, um, Professor, could you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, well, I uh, taught at the University of Illinois for 40 years. I'm a retired professor from there. I've also taught at uh, UGA and uh, Berry College and other uh, academic institutions around the state of Georgia. I love Georgia. We're retired here to Georgia. I have 13 grandkids here, and um, 
Uh, I would hate to see Georgia do with gambling what Illinois and some other states have done, which has really uh, corrupted those states. You can't get anything done in Illinois now uh, without going through the gambling lobby. As a matter of fact, our current governor is a, a former uh, uh, casino owner, uh, still has interest in gambling. Um, the state of Illinois, uh, and we'll talk about that some more, but uh, we're really famous. As Oprah Winfrey says, you want to be number one in what you do, and Illinois is number one in corruption, according to our <laughs> academic reports. Uh, half of our governors have gone to jail or been indicted in the last 50 years. Mm. Uh, we have sort of a running joke that our governors make license plates. These are the governors from Illinois. From Illinois. From okay. Illinois. Just to, just to, do, do clar- you, just really to clarify wanna, that. Do you really want to bring this to Georgia and other states? Well, the argument's always made that Georgia needs to legalize casinos or horse racing or sports betting or some combination because it's good for the economy. What do you say about that? That is absolutely false. Uh, we did reports in uh, Illinois. Uh, for years, indicating what attracts Fortune 500 companies. We had people leaving Illinois, a net of 10,000 people leaving Illinois each month. Wow. That's a net of 10,000 people lost and, and losing businesses. And so we did our um, due diligence and we did our studies. We said, what, what brings Fortune 500 companies? Well, the top three things that Fortune 500 companies avoid are high taxes, high crime, and gambling, because gambling brings all of these socioeconomic negatives with it. And we've seen that happen in Illinois, and we've seen major Fortune 500 companies leave the state just to get away from these types of negatives. What what are you talking about with the negatives? Give us some examples. Well, well, let, let me preface that by saying, why do you think Georgia and Atlanta have been the number one business destination uh, to locate in for the last nine years. One major reason is because you don't have casinos, you don't have horse tracks, which are now uh, casinos. They call them racinos. Uh, You don't have um, uh, all of this type of gambling which is being proposed now. And ask yourselves, who is benefiting from this? Who is benefiting from the gambling in society? Well, right, exactly. Where's the money? Where's the money going? Follow the money. Follow the money. And if you follow the money, you'll see that nobody's benefiting except the owners of the gambling. Well, tell us a little bit about the crime and that comes with casinos specifically. Do you have any information about that? Uh, Sure. You've actually had a report, uh, uh, very famous, uh, that came out of uh, the University of Georgia and the University of Illinois, combination of authors, Professor Grinnells and Professor David Mustard. And it was published, I believe, in 2006 in the Review of Economic Statistics, which is a publication of Harvard and MIT, joint publication, They studied before and after bringing gambling facilities to a a jurisdiction, and they indicated, and this was a 10-year report. It took them uh, almost 10 years to do this, before and after bringing gambling facilities to a jurisdiction, to a venue, that, in fact, crime increased 9%, not the first year or the second year, but the third year, 
after these gambling facilities opened and then continued up after that. Well, why didn't the crime increase immediately? Because it takes a while for people to lose all their money. Oh. And it and on and so it took one couple of years for people to lose their money, and then people started resorting to crime, mm-hmm. and crime went up and continues to go up. And they actually just published a new report in the Illinois Law Review uh, that indicates uh, that further indicates that this trend continues with regard to casinos and gambling facilities. And we're talking sports gambling now, too, because sports gambling is is basically the doorway to bring in all the other types of gambling, the horse tracks, the racinos, uh, the, the casinos. And the really big thing which people don't get is that once you do this, the tribes can come in by what tribes, what do you mean? The Native American tribes. The tribes can come in, buy land anywhere they want. Uh, I mean, don't they have a claim to Cherokee County? So they, the, I want to make sure we make it clear what the connection is with the tribes. Why do the tribes care about gambling? Oh, it's, it's, it's free money. Uh, they don't even have to pay taxes on it, theoretically. They don't have to comply with state laws. There's actually a test case in California right now where uh, one tribe is simply saying we don't have, compl- have to comply with the federal laws, the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. We're just going to ignore it. We're not going to honor our commitments to the state to share revenues with the state. Uh, we're on our own. And um, the current administration says, okay. We don't care. So, so uh, any, anywhere you open up a casino, they can step in? Yes, because once, you, once you've opened up your constitution, once you've opened up your state to gambling, you can't prohibit uh, the Native American groups from doing the exact same thing oh. and even expanding upon what you've, what you've done. People don't realize the Pandora's box that you're opening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you an example. Illinois has absolutely no tribal lands, no Native American uh, groups that are recognized in Illinois. Uh, approximately 10, 12 years ago, a real estate group got together with a tribe. They came to Illinois, and they claimed substantial portions of 15 counties in central Illinois and said and filed test cases and they picked out farmers in the in the areas one was a 92 year old farmer so that it, it's just a total legal boondoggle to force to pressure people uh, to to win these test cases so that they can build casinos everywhere uh, if you go to Buffalo, New York, they, they, uh, one of the tribes there went to downtown Buffalo, bought, um, I don't know, a couple of acres in, de- in the downtown, put up a tent, brought in slot machines, and they're making a million dollars a day, not paying taxes. It's just, it's just pure gold coming in, a million dollars a day. How many lawyers do you think you can buy in the local area at a million dollars a day? You put everybody on retainer, wow. and then you don't have any opposition. People, people don't realize what this is, how powerful right. these groups are. And l- let me come back to this again. Do you really want this in Georgia? 
I mean, uh, I went, a couple of my graduate degrees are from Georgia universities. My colleagues and I have published here in Georgia about these types of issues mm -hmm. in the academic journals. Um, do, do you really want to bring this to Georgia? I'm coming here from Illinois because I want to get away from this. And now you're bringing it here to downtown uh, Atlanta and to other jurisdictions. Uh, tribes can literally buy land uh, theoretically anywhere, file their test cases, build their t put in their slot machines. Uh, and, and this is not saying anything against the tribes. This is just part of the business model. That's this is right. just how it works. Right. Well, that's not even something I thought about. You, you think about all the other, the other negatives to having legalized gambling, but that wasn't even one of them. So thank you for bringing that up. But in, and it sounds to me, and I understand, that you have also testified down in the legislation, right? Uh, that you have testified, you've told the legislators about the negative impacts. My, my colleagues and I have testified about this in uh, most of the state legislatures across the country, as well as the U.S. Congress several times. Uh, actually, the U.S. Congress is really pretty good. They get it. Uh, there are other political reasons why they don't rein this in, but most of the people in Washington on both sides of the aisle get it. As a matter of fact, a, a couple of my talking points are, uh, first of all, all of the world's major religions have strictures against gambling mm -hmm. for good reason. Well, we did a brief to the, um, I shouldn't say we, um, I'm familiar with a brief, a Mika's brief to the U.S. Supreme Court that was uh, filed by numerous denominations uh, to prevent all this gambling on cell phones, and they were joined by the Islamic Society of North America on the amicus brief and, and other groups. So all of the major religions get it. Um, and if you look at the facts, all good faith political persons get it on both sides of the aisle. The National Gambling Impact Study Commission was sponsored by very liberal Senator Paul Simon and by conservative Senator Richard Luger out of Indiana. Uh, uh, practically the entire, I believe the entire uh, Georgia congressional delegation supported this. And it said there should be a moratorium on the expansion of any type of gambling anywhere in the United States. And when was that? Well, it was actually, uh, it passed the Congress in 1995. Final report came out in 1999. At the University of Illinois, we've done follow-ups called the United States International Gambling Report, which is literally hundreds of negative reports. They're, they're just, the good academic reports are all negative on this, mm -hmm. and those have been published uh, 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 periodically over the last 20 years since that came out. And most recently, we have the Illinois Law Review here, which came out in November of 2021. Um, it's got uh, the head of the DOJ Task Force on Internet Gambling is the lead article. And he says, D you shouldn't have all this gambling and, and get away from the sports gambling. Uh, and uh, then we have a law professor, Thomas Eulen, next. Then we have the third article is the dean of the law school at the University of Illinois. Then we have... Uh, an article, th these are all law review articles mm -hmm. by Northeastern Law School, three academics, the same group that took down tobacco 20 years ago. And they're saying people have forgotten and they're dumbed down on this because of the PR of the gambling industry. 
People have forgotten that this is an addiction. Gambling addiction is recognized by the American Psychiatric Association. It's listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And the, the industry knows if they put this on your cell phones, click your phone, lose your home. Click your mouse, lose your house. They know that if they put this in front of people, they are really going to get people hooked. This exactly. is this is an addiction mm-hmm. with the with the pushers right on your cell phone. Mm. I mean, I, I check the, the weather channel every morning and about two thirds of the advertisements I get in the algorithms that they have on there are uh, play the slots for free. You may have hit those. Now, I'm sure I'm in that algorithm because I research this all the time. Right. But they're, they're monitoring what I'm researching, mm-hmm. and they're hitting me with all these advertisements. Well, they're doing the exact same thing to your kids. Right. They target. They target the kids. There's target marketing of the kids. And therefore, the U.S. Congress, uh, uh, Marsha Blackburn out of Tennessee, Richard Blumenthal out of Connecticut, you probably saw them in the hearings about a year ago, talking about how big tech has been target marketing kids. Well, they introduced the Kids Online Safety Act, and that includes protections against gambling interests, target marketing your kids. I mean, I've got 13 grandkids here in in Georgia. They're asking me, uh, Grandpa, how do we how do we bet on these games that we're watching here? How do we bet on the Georgia mm. Bulldogs? Mm. Not if, mm. not is it legal? How do we do it? Right, and it's how expected. old are they? And, and, yeah. and their kids, they're and in grade school. And how old school. are they? Yeah. Great, great yeah, elementary right. school. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the industry knows this. They have a huge PR mechanism. They've partnered with government on, the, on, on other issues, and they have really suppressed the academics, the National Gambling Impact Study Commission. They've suppressed the Congress. The, the, it is a huge... Um, dumbing down, so to speak, and I, I don't mean to be derogatory, but that's what's happening here, um, of the public. And um, also the legislators. I mean, you you have shared this information numerous times, yet there's still legislators that are supporting it. Why yeah, well is they, that? Well, they don't, number one, they don't do their homework. Number two, they're overwhelmed with the amount of information they get hit with. Mm-hmm. And just, just this session, it's my understanding there are 50 new legislators uh, uh, in, uh, in Atlanta. Well, you know, they're brand new and they're getting hit by 84, last count was 84 lobbyists uh, for gambling in Atlanta. That's Which is lo- huge. No we- other issue that I know of has that many lobbyists. Yeah, um, and uh, that's almost two lobbyists per uh, senator, state senator uh, here, and that doesn't include their staffs. They've got their staffs working with them, so I mean it's just a huge tidal wave. But if people have the facts, and it, and, and let me get back to this, I mentioned before, all the major religions have strictures against gambling. If you follow the money, all good faith legislators on both sides of the aisle know the social economic negatives if they just ignore where the money's going on all of this and and decide it in good faith uh you've got every you've got everybody on your side if they're making the decision in good faith on the facts but they're not getting the facts and and the gambling industry knows this and 98 to 99 percent it's probably higher than that of all academics in this country 
are negative on gambling. I've been debating this thing for almost 40 years. I hardly ever run. Uh, there are no credible academics out there, um, and my colleagues too. And by the way, my colleagues and I do not take any honorarium or consultant fees for talking about these issues because we realize that on the other side, or in part we realize on the other side, there, there's huge amount of money that's getting paid to lobbyists to bring forth their talking points. So we don't take anything. This is just part of our public service and the public health, safety, and welfare. Well, where's the public health when you're creating new addicted gamblers, particularly your kids? Um, or, where's the public uh, safety when you're increasing crime? Um, and where's the public welfare when you're increasing bankruptcies? Up 18 to 42% in gambling communities, according to the studies. Why does that happen? People lose their money and they resort to um, personal, professional, and business bankruptcies as well as to crime. Um, and uh, if you go to go to go to um, uh, Nevada, you find that the the biggest uh, FBI fugitive apprehension program is in Las Vegas. Why? Because gambling attracts criminal elements, and people who are on the run, so to speak, are attracted to Las Vegas. They go to Las mm -hmm. Vegas and other gambling venues, mm -hmm. but the biggest one is is Vegas uh, per capita. Well, that's something I was going to ask you about as far as the crime goes. When I read one of the gambling bills several years ago, I noticed that there were pages and pages in this legislation dealing with criminal activity, criminal background checks. If somebody wants to build a casino or partner with somebody who's building a casino, that you have to run all of these background checks and make sure that there there's no um, disturbing information in anyone's background and all of that. And I thought at the time, maybe we should think twice about urging industry to come into our state that we have to have all of these criminal background checks. What, could you comment on that? On sure. Sure. I mean, uh, in in states which have brought in the casinos, once they're in, or and let me just say gambling facilities, because that includes casinos, racinos, or the racetracks with casinos, sports gambling, the whole nine yards. Um, uh, once once you bring them in, once they're established, remember who's now running the government, the gambling lobby. And you're going to see bills dropped, which has happened in several other states, that say... Uh, people who have felony convictions can now work in our casinos or our, I should say, our gambling facilities. You'll, you'll see all kinds of bills dropped and laws and regulations relaxed uh, and until it's really, in many areas, kind of a joke. Watch the movie Casino by Martin Scorsese, and you'll see how the regulation works in Nevada. And you'll see the influence of Chicago and Kansas City on Nevada. You'll see the disreputable parties that are involved in the gambling industry. And, and that's worth taking note of. Uh, back in the congressional hearing in 1995, I had the best seat in the Judiciary Committee. And I was sitting right behind one of their main witnesses who was a witness for organized crime. And he said, thanks for bringing the casinos to Illinois. It's like we died and gone to heaven. I'm paraphrasing what he said, basically. And I had a member of the mob sitting on my left and I had a member of the mob sitting on my right. 
and they were there to protect this witness. He had hired them, I, I assume. I don't know what the arrangements were. Uh, and, and the Congress, uh, actually, the U.S. Marshals actually brought out protective screens to put around this particular witness uh, so that he could not be photographed. He was in the witness protection program. Uh, and uh, Henry Hyde, the chair of the committee, was, the, was there protecting him uh, as he testified about uh, these negatives. So I'm not casting, uh, saying anything about the current types of proposals or the people are, are bringing them to Georgia. Uh, I'm simply saying that the criminal justice authorities need to look at this um, uh, in, in more than one respect. Tell us a little bit about whether there are any places in the country where gambling has been a positive economically. Are there any cities, Atlantic City or whatever, where this has worked that the people on the other side of this can point to and say, well, it really helped this city, so why don't we do yeah, it? Uh, 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 look, at it, look at Atlantic City. Atlantic City used to be a slum by the sea. Now it's widely joked, even among the casino people, that it's a, uh, uh, a slum with casinos by the sea. Actually, it's, it's even worse economically around Atla the Atlantic City area, and it's been that way for years and years. Of course, there are upticks and downticks, but basically um, gambling is about taking money out of the community. They're not putting anything back in. As a matter of fact, it's, uh, uh, most academics will say it's a negative multiplier effect. If you open up a store um, and people come in and buy your goods, you have a positive multiplier effect of about three. So if people are spending a billion dollars a year, you multiply that by three. They're, they're using that. The economy is expanding. They're buying cars, refrigerators, tuitions, medical for their, for their kids and for their families. Uh, we find around gambling facilities, people are spending 10% less on food. 25% less on clothing, 37% have raided their bank accounts in order to gamble. Uh, and that actually was a study done by a University of Nevada professor. Um, and and it's, it's held up over the years. So it's, it's just a good baseline touch point of, of what's happening. But you bring in gambling, that all they do is expand. They have to expand because they're not creating anything except what we call the ABCs, addicted gamblers, bankruptcies, and crime. They're not, not creating anything positive. Now, when they first come in, there will be a few jobs created as you build the buildings and, and, and what have you. But in the long term, it's a net negative. And if you do the cost-benefit analyses, you find that the costs, the social and economic costs, the cost of the bankruptcies, the cost of the increased suicides, the cost of the sex trafficking, you think sex trafficking is going to go up? The governor just did a uh, press conference on this uh, a day or two ago. And, um, uh, and Atlanta's got a problem with sex trafficking. Right. Uh, uh, the studies show that this is going to be problematic when, when you have these gambling facilities. So all these negatives, when you do the cost-benefit analyses, the gambling interests will simply point on the revenues and say, oh, we've got a billion dollars or half a billion dollars in new revenues coming in. But the social costs are at least $3 to $7 for every dollar that's coming in in benefits. And they'll never talk about that. 
Now, the state of Illinois has got a $3 billion surplus right now. You're getting tax rebates on your property. Uh, there's a, going to be a property tax rebate, it looks like, uh, a cut in taxes. Uh, you don't need, when you've got $3 billion in excess revenues sitting there in the bank in Atlanta, you don't need to increase gambling so-called to help the Hope Scholarship. You've got plenty of money. As a matter of fact, there's even talk of eliminating... You're talking about Georgia. Just, now, Georgia. Georgia, yeah. yeah. It, it, you're, you're, as a matter of fact, you're talking about eliminating the state income tax, like some other states have done. Well, if you bring in gambling, you can forget that because your social costs will go through the roof and all your social agencies will be saying we need more and more and more money and you're going to lose your status as the number one business locale as a family-friendly environment. So um, it's it basically it's lose, lose, lose for everybody who's involved in the gambling, except the owners of the gambling. They are walking away multi-billionaires. And, and they're doing it over the misery of a lot of people and the social uh, destruction of, uh, of good public policy. So with all of this, lose, 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 why are there bills being dropped and why are they still pushing, pushing, pushing? I mean, I get that there's a lot of money, but people don't, the legislators don't know. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to make any sense at all to be introducing gambling. Federally, it sounds like they're putting a stop to it. So why are we dealing with this in Georgia? Like for many years, we've been dealing with this, right? This push to try to get gambling. Well, well, the gambling interests uh, look at uh, Georgia as a virgin territory. I mean, you don't have any gambling now. And um, uh, they, I think the term they use is Georgia is underserved by gambling. Mm. And um, uh, so you need more gambling. And it makes us sound you, like victims. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and we, right. And we, well, when you've got 84 uh, lobbyists at last count and their staffs pushing this, and you've got huge amounts of money, follow the money. You, you've got huge amounts of money right. moving this. Uh, it's really hard for legislators to get outside the fog. Uh, you know, in, in Washington, D.C., we talk about the fog inside the beltway. Well, it's the same thing in, in Atlanta. You you have to get outside the fog and get the facts. And as I indicated before, 98, 99 percent of academia will tell you that this is lose, lose. It's bad economics. It's bad social policy. It's poor government. Um, it brings in all kinds of, of misery uh, to the state. And, you, and it kills your status as the number one business locale right. in a family-friendly environment. Professor, let's talk about process for a minute. We talked with Mike Griffin from the Georgia Baptist Mission Board last week about the constitutional amendment which would be required to legalize a lot of these forms of gambling in Georgia, which is difficult to get through the legislature because you have to have two-thirds yes vote on that, and then it would have to go to a referendum. Now, recently, I know you're aware of this, the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce had a prominent lawyer write a brief for them, essentially, saying that you don't really have to go through a constitutional amendment, that at least with some forms of betting, such as sports betting, you can do it simply by statute, which requires only a majority vote in the legislature. So what is your reaction to that, and what 
effect do you think that would have on the debate at the Capitol? Well, my first response is follow the money. Uh, when this was reported in the press, nobody bothered to ask how much this firm was paid to produce this. And as we uh, all know, I think, um, if, if you can have lawyers to argue your side in anything. Just follow the money, you know. And, and I think that's what's happening here. And I think that there are um, quite a few experts who would testify to the fact that you need more uh, that this is this is a an incorrect interpretation of the Georgia law, and there's I remember reading through this and right right at the beginning the author says well uh, I'm I'm uh, uh, the arbiter of how the courts were thinking uh, 25 30 years ago when the Georgia lottery was passed, um, and I'm not sure that uh, um, that is a uh, proper analysis, and uh, and I'm not sure that uh, one lawyer can claim to be the arbiter of how um, the courts were thinking ab about the common knowledge and, and what the public was thinking at the time that the Georgia lotteries passed back in 1992. I, I would point out that uh, we talked already about the uh, uh, National Gambling Impact Study Commission and at the congressional hearing uh, where that was passed, um, there was reprinted a law review article which indicated that the gambling industry had used the exact same tactic before in Florida to try and push in gambling into Florida. So follow the money, and it's really embarrassing. Uh, and again, I would point out that I, myself and my colleagues and much of academia don't accept any honorarium or consultant fees for talking about these issues. This is just part of academics. This is part of our public service uh, that we do. And and the research we research um, uh, always ask. Nobody's ever paid me to do any any of the publications that I've done in academic research uh, on the gambling issue. And the same is true with uh, uh, my colleagues. We mentioned earlier the Illinois Law Review, which has 14 blue ribbon academics in it, nine law review articles that say the sports gambling doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. Uh, and um, I don't think any of them got a nickel for uh, doing their academic articles. It's just part of academia. In the federal report, you said from 1995 that recommended no expansion of legal gambling. Uh, excuse me. It was actually 1999. It was established in 95 by the Congress. I understand. You're correct. Okay. Thank you. That, of course, was before everyone in the world had a cell phone, and all of this was going through cell phones, and, and you make huge bets by just swiping and and you alluded to this but but could you explain a little bit historically of the difference what we were looking at then versus what we were looking what we're looking at now and how it has gotten more challenging for parents especially to try to keep their kids out of these clutches yeah let me just say uh, uh, initially that we did see this coming uh, not all the nuances of it, but but quite a bit of it. We it was predicted. As a matter of fact, the National Gambling Impact Study Commission in 1999, which was overwhelmingly passed by Congress, and in their final report, it said keep uh, gambling off the internet. 
Keep it criminalized, criminalized, criminalized. Do not legalize racinos. Do not put casinos and slot machines and, and horse tracks together. Uh, it was very, and, and it said there should be a moratorium, moratorium on the expansion of any type of gambling anywhere in the United States. So a lot of it we did see coming. Uh, my colleagues and I have published law review articles um, saying, watch out, see what's coming. Uh, we did the same thing with sports gambling. Uh, over the years, um, I, I suspect now that it's actually happened, people go back and, and look at what we predicted. Um, but you're correct. Uh, the algorithms that you see on TikTok and in social media that are used uh, to entice and trap people are absolutely mind boggling. Um, I've sat through conferences and uh, briefings. Uh, by academics on how some of this works, and it, it is really frightening. Uh, the, it is very sophisticated, uh, and and now it's target marketed on kids. So um, the legislation that's been proposed by uh, Richard Blumenthal, a Democrat out of Connecticut, and Marsha Blackburn, a uh, Republican senator from Tennessee, uh, last year, last July, passed the uh, Senate Commerce Committee 28 to nothing. It was unanimous and was reported favorably for a vote on the Senate floor. Well, some efforts by big tech derailed that legislation last fall, but it's coming back. It's just it's about to be reintroduced again. This is designed to protect kids. But adults think that they're sophisticated and can can handle this these algorithms are are just um uh, let, let me just mention you can't beat the computer right you can't beat the computer there was just a scandal in the chess world of the two chess masters and one of them was accused of using a computer to make his chess moves and and um you in gambling the algorithms are designed to let you win a little bit, to draw you in and hook you. Right. And they even call it that. They, the, we, um, when I testified before the National Gambling Impact Study Commission under oath, um, I indicated how um, uh, I revealed some information that we had about the terminology that was being used by the gambling industry behind the scenes that, that says we're hooking people. And there's no way to enforce that enforce stopping that because right now it's not legal here in Georgia correct uh, any right. sports States, betting any right. any kind of gambling is not legal yet it's happening how can you even enforce the law well, when you've got it on the internet well uh, right it's getting more and more difficult and that's why there are calls for federal action and the congressional delegation on both sides of the aisle in Georgia ought to be supportive of what the Congressional National Gambling Impact Study Commission said and support the legislation. I, I don't want to sound like a lobbyist, but it's just good public policy uh, in a bipartisan way to protect our kids and to protect our public, the public health, safety, and welfare. Um, people will look at uh, Illinois, which was one of the first states to get the sports gambling. And, uh, and I think that's a misinterpretation of a Supreme Court case uh, called the Murphy case, which was decided in 2018. And 
Uh, I actually wrote an op-ed for The Hill, which is like the congressional newspaper uh, that that says said that. And um, and my colleagues as well. It's the, there, there are colleagues all across the country writing about this, but they are suppressed. There's a lot of suppression on what they're on what they're putting out there. I mean, this is a huge industry. I'll give you a great example. Um, who's Stephen Paddock? You've heard of Columbine, hmm. right? You've heard right. of Sandy right. Hook, yeah. right? Who's Stephen Paddock? The biggest shooting mass murderer in the history of the United States. Killed 59 people, including himself. Uh, wounded with gunfire, I think it was 411 people. Look him up, like 800-plus people were injured when he started shooting, including those just mentioned. Um, and, and who's heard of that? Right, I was going to say. It's, it's been, been supp- totally suppressed by the Las Vegas PR machine. I mean, think, we have a lawyer here, Jane. I mean, think of the number of lawsuits that have got to have been filed and the number of lawyers that are involved with these injured people and the negligence types of claims that are being made. Um, and yet nobody, it's not in the national press. It's, and, and you look at um, editorials by uh, Ann Coulter, a conservative columnist, and by the New York Times. And, and they say, we, we think that this guy, Stephen Paddock, was an addicted gambler. And, and from there, the allegations are being made that perhaps he wanted revenge for losing a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Now, again, those are hypothetical suppositions. We don't know. Uh, those are allegations uh, that are made. Uh, but um, if you look, uh, November 20th of last year, the New York Times did a series of five articles which eviscerated sports gambling. I'll bet you there isn't a single legislator on um, on the, the Hill here in, in Atlanta who, who is familiar with those five, except for the lobbyists who are suppressing it. Yeah. I read those articles, and they were excellent. They were just yeah, devastating. Yeah, they're, they're Nobel, uh, I'm sorry, they're Pulitzer Prize caliber. And by the, by the we way... We should put those, we should put those yeah. on our website. Yeah. Um, is there something that we can do? I know, there's so much that we could talk about here. Um, what can we do besides getting the information out there, which is having you, having Mike Griffin last week talking about gambling, um, but what are some action steps that our listeners can take, we can take, to help combat the legalization of gambling in Georgia? Do you have some tips for yeah. us? Well, um, before I before I became a professor, I worked in some congressional offices and, and uh, gubernatorial offices as a young man. Um, and um, letters, uh, handwritten, typed are still extremely powerful, particularly when you ask for a response. Please give me your position on this. Okay. That that ties up the staff, and they have to ask the legislator, well, what are we going to say to our constituents about this? Um, as well as just uh, uh, buttonholing uh, decision makers at different uh, a- events. And um, What do you mean? Buttonholing. Well, you 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 run into them at different uh, social events or public events, um, and you just say, "Oh, by the way, I think we're being set up by 
X, Y, and Z. Um, uh, please look at this legislation. Okay. Um, our group is against this. Uh, one example I used more recently was in uh, in another state. A governor uh, told us that, uh, uh, as academics, he said, uh, "I got seventeen letters from around the state. Seventeen letters, and I'm killing this four billion dollar project, oh, which was wonderful. a gambling project. Wonderful. Okay. That that was some time ago, and and those are." Uh, inflation-adjusted dollars, but it was it's four billion dollars in today's yes. uh, today's money. So handwritten letters, not emails. Well, you suggest uh, either one or uh, uh, any anything you want to do, but I, I think handwritten letters or typed letters okay. are can, are very effective. Okay. Um, and if you need statistics, there's a group called Stop Predatory Gambling. Dot org stop predatory gambling dot org and uh, they they put up lots of statistics and, and new statistics and and here's here's one good thing uh, statistic I should have mentioned earlier and that is that uh, the gambling interests are, are, are citing to all these so-called polls that say oh the people want it the people want it our our office has and I'm being obviously sarcastic. But our office, which included great polling academics at the University of Illinois, looked at a lot of these polls. And in Illinois, uh, two-thirds of the people said, we don't want it. And one poll, that was actually about 90% of the people in one community, said, we don't want it. So you have to be very suspect about these polls. Uh, who paid for them? Exactly. You know, where are they coming How from? Is How is the question worded? Right, absolutely. Let me add to that. The only poll that counts is the uh, final vote. And they just had sports gambling on the ballot for a constitutional amendment in California. They actually had two propositions, Proposition 26, Proposition 27. The gambling industry spent $600 million dollars pushing these two propositions, $600 million, the most expensive proposition ever placed on the ballot in any state in U.S. history. More money, of course, than was been spent in the last couple of years on elections in Georgia, which has been huge. And what happened? The sports gambling lost in one vote by 30% of the of the. They only got 30%. And in the other vote that lost, they only got 18%. Oh. The people of California said, no, no, no. We don't want this gambling, sports gambling. We don't want it on our phones. We don't want it. Okay. And that was just the last election. We have to speak up. <clears throat> so what when, you're saying. When you see these polls that are coming out in the media, follow the money. Right. Where did it come from? Okay. And and I can't believe the media didn't ask this um, this legal opinion how much was paid for this legal opinion that says oh you don't need a constitutional amendment it just needs a majority vote in the first article that came out of the AJC they didn't even admit or refer to the fact that this opinion was written on behalf of some organization. I had to go look it up and see if I could figure it out, and I did. And then in the second article, they did say, um, yes, he, he wrote this for the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce. But, of course, they still made it seem like this was just his good legal opinion. And 
I don't know if he believes it or not, but the point is he was paid for it, just like you as a client would pay a lawyer to write your brief in a case. So we can't depend on the, the press to, to uh, well, tell us exactly what's going let's on. Let's give the AJC an opportunity to ask those questions. I, I, th- I think that um, uh, give, the, give our friends in the press a, a benefit of the doubt, but they need to ask these hard, hard questions, and they're not being asked um, – and and I understand it's it's a new world. The staffs have been cut. Investigative journalism is down. Uh, but but when you're dealing with something this important, and you've got the New York Times with five articles of Pulitzer caliber eviscerating sports gambling. I mean, they just really expose these companies. Um, uh, and there's like people you said, need to read it. There's suppress you know just they're suppressing it. There's so much money that they're using to give the information forward of what they want to give the people that have the money. Again, follow the money. Professor Kent, if there's something that you think our listeners should know, this is your chance. I would just mention Moms Against Gambling, which is right here in Georgia. It's called MomsAgainstGambling.org, a nonprofit, and uh, uh, they're – uh, getting going. Uh, there's one very important issue that that we didn't mention, and that is that teachers and um, public employees should be outraged by this. Why? Now, I'm 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 from Illinois. I was an elected faculty member to what they call the Illinois Faculty Senate for 40 years. And as part of that, I was chair of one of the committees I was chair of was the Faculty Benefits Committee at the University of Illinois System, as well as their representative for many years and still to the State University Retirement System. Um, And uh, I'll just show you one headline here. It's uh, Illinois pensions, education are losing out to gambling. Now, when the casinos first came to Illinois, Illinois was a fiscally responsible state. We had a good governor named James Thompson, um, and um, uh, we didn't have a lot of the problems that are there today. Today, there's widespread gambling in, in Illinois, and we've gone to $175 billion in unfunded liabilities. That's money that should be in our pension systems. That's money that should be with our teachers. I get a pension from Illinois. My wife, uh, uh, Mrs. Kent, uh, teaches uh, Mrs. Kent's kindergarten for years here in uh, Georgia. She's on a pension from Georgia. Um, She's a... uh, uh, so, and was also a second grade teacher, but a first grade wife. <laughs> and and was we she hope she's listening. <laughs> was she also in Illinois? Was she teaching? Uh, yes, she also taught in Illinois. So she but her pension major pension her major pension is from uh, Georgia. So actually, she bought out her pension in uh, in Illinois just because it's not trustworthy. Mm. So she took she took what she could get out of Illinois, and she's got her pension here from Georgia. So anyway, uh, public employees and teachers ought to be really outraged by this because the money is going to get sucked out of the pension system. It's going to get siphoned away and into the pockets of these lobbyists and the, and the gambling interests. Um, and and it'll, it'll be done legally, but it'll, it'll, it won't be there. Um, 
and I, and I don't want to go beyond that, but uh, um, as I said, I've, I've been there. I, I kept getting elected to these positions in Illinois because I knew I wasn't afraid of the governor or the legislature. And uh, But when you've got the facts and the truth on your side, it's there. That's right. Yeah. One final observation I wanted to make that doesn't have anything to do with economics or any of that. Just as a parent and as a grandparent, I think of driving my child or my grandchild down the road. I don't want him or her to see just massive billboards for the casino for get rich quick. It's just not the environment that I think is good for families. So I'm I think that that might be kind of a, a visceral reaction of some people because I've I've only been to Las Vegas once, but I thought if I had to raise my family here, I'd move. Well, uh, yeah, I, I concur with that, and, and you brought to mind uh, one last thought, which actually is a very important thought, and that is that gambling makes poor people poorer. I have here with me a uh, uh, front-page headline, called New Chains Shackle King's Dream. And it's Jesse Jackson speaking on um, Martin Luther King Day a f- some years ago in Chicago. And he said, gambling are the new chains of slavery. Now, those are his words. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but that's that's the gist of his speech. Front page in the metro section here in Chicago. Yeah, I've heard it said that gambling is a tax on poor people. Right. They're and, the ones and, who... The NAACP in Illinois has been against gambling since the 1990s. So um, people should really be concerned about this. It makes everything worse. It just makes the gambling people in Las Vegas rich. Oh, and by the way, where are they going to hire their managers from? Any of you know how to run a casino? They're not going to hire rural Georgians? Is that what you're telling us? (laughs) <laughs> They're going to bring them in from Atlantic City, from from uh, Nevada, which is, is the training ground uh, for these, and, and from their universities in uh, Nevada. Uh, they have programs that show you how to be a croupier and um, other types of uh, things. So it's it's really There's no real upside. Yeah, it's really sad all. for for Georgia. I'd hate to see Georgia do it. I love Georgia. For for Georgia to go down this road is uh, and and the sex trafficking, right? Um, it's just we could go on and on about this. Well, the the part about being a slave to money is biblical. That's always been around. Yeah, so. and I, I've uh, and when we talk about the kids getting hooked on this, I've heard ministers, uh, um, uh, pastors uh, call the uh, five to eleven percent of kids are now addicted or problem gamblers. Uh, a tithe of our children to the idols of gambling. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's what they. I've heard them say. Thank you so much, um, Professor Kent, for all of your information and enlightening us. Uh, we will attach these uh, articles that you've referenced to our website, and so people can do more research on on this topic and. What we're hoping for is that people will take some action, that we can, like the Georgia Baptist group, right? Mike Griffin talked about last week. Um, They've been fighting it for years, and it's not legal yet. So 
we're going to help them. You know, all the listeners that are listening. Well, so. well, thank you for all that you do. You perform a valuable public service in getting this information out, the academics out, and just how to be impactful to the public. It's a, right. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, and we hope to affect policy. Jane, can you close us with a prayer? Yes. Our Father, thank you, as always, for your many blessings. Thank you for servants like Professor Kent, who devote so much of their lives to the good of all your children and of your kingdom. Please be with them, protect them, strengthen them, and please turn the hearts of policymakers in the legislature and nationally to realize the truth of what they're saying and to act accordingly. And please be with us as we try to resolve to be more involved ourselves and to write the letter or to have a phone conversation or to post something that people can use for education to enhance your kingdom. Jesus. This has been Legislation Made Simple, keeping you informed on political issues with your hosts, Patty DeCraney and Jane Robbins. Listen again next week at the same time for Legislation Made Simple on AM 1160, The Quest.